Hello and welcome to day 69 of our Bible reading course. Today we focus on Jesus' favourite teaching tool, the parable. There are so many famous ones to choose from. The Good Samaritan, the Sower, the Talents, to name just a few. But we're going to read some which pick up on one of the major themes in Luke. Jesus' concern for those on the margins of society. We begin around a meal table in the home of a prominent Pharisee a setting which may give us a slightly different perspective on the familiar parables that come later. Our passage is Luke chapter 14, verse 7, to the end of chapter 15. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I rejoice in your great love for me today, and I praise you for adopting me as your child. Open my ears to your word now, I ask. In Jesus' name. Amen. When he noticed how the guests picked the places of honour at the table, he told them this parable. When someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honour, for a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. If so, the host who invited both of you will come and say to you, Give this person your seat. Then, humiliated, you will have to take the least important place. But when you are invited, take the lowest place so that when your host comes, he will say to you, Friend, move up to a better place. Then you will be honoured in the presence of all the other guests. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Then Jesus said to his host, When you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives or your rich neighbours. If you do, they may invite you back, and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, Blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Jesus replied, a certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet he sent his servant to tell those who'd been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I have just bought a field, and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I've just got married, so I can't come. The servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there is still room. Then the master told his servant, Go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in, so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. Large crowds were travelling with Jesus, and turning to them he said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. 
And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying, This person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Won't you first sit down and consider whether he's able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he's not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is neither fit for the soil nor for the manure heap. It is thrown out. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering round to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbours together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous people who do not need to repent. Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbours together and says, Rejoice with me! I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am, starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms round him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. 
Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the elder son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The elder brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never even gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. The power of a good story is that it draws us into the action, asks us to place ourselves somewhere within it, and invites us to learn something from what we observe and experience. Jesus was a master storyteller. At that time there was a clear pecking order in society depending on your religious standing with status and position belonging to those deemed more righteous than others, while those regarded as sinners, in some way, were shunned, ostracised and in the worst cases treated as outcasts. Jesus, with a calm head and nerves of steel, uses what's in front of him once again as he teaches about the Kingdom of God. Don't be proud in your own eyes, whoever you are. Take the humble place amongst others, and you will be honoured. Don't use your hospitality to wallow in a bubble of smugness while either consciously or unconsciously looking down on those you didn't invite. Instead, make your table a visual embodiment of the Kingdom of God and its values. Jesus then elaborates on this with the parable of the Great Banquet, where those who believed themselves deserving of an invitation treated it as less important than other things in their lives business, possessions, even marriage. So the invitation is extended to others, the poor, the crippled, the blind and the lame. They come gladly because the thought of a banquet for the likes of them is simply overwhelming. But there's still room, so the master's servant is told to compel others to come in until the house is full. It's a wonderful image of a party totally at odds with the way they usually happen. Jesus then reinforces the point that taking our place at the banquet of God is not something we just dip into and out of again when it's convenient. This is a major commitment for which we must seriously count the cost. If we're not prepared to hate, surely exaggeration to make a point, and even die to everything else, we won't have the staying power to get to the end. Such is the nature of discipleship. With the tax collectors and sinners taking their places around Jesus to hear him, the religious leaders keep their distance and mutter about the company he's keeping. And it's in that context that Jesus tells the three parables of lost and found, a sheep, a coin and a son. 
with the prodigal's older brother clearly a reference to the grumbling self-righteous. It's brilliant stuff. Has reading chapter 14 of Luke before chapter 15 affected how I understand it? In what way? Maybe I could read the passage again today and see what else it has to say to me. One thing it does tell me is that God has invited me to sit at his banqueting table. He set out to find me like a lost sheep, searched for me like a lost coin, and run to embrace me like a loving father to a lost child. How often do I simply take time to revel in the mercy and compassion that God has shown me in Jesus Christ? Do I ever stop and listen to the rejoicing that's going on in heaven because of my salvation? Perhaps I can find an opportunity to do that too, asking God to give me ears to hear. And how good am I, in turn, at hospitality? It needn't be a great feast as here, just time and welcome for someone else, and perhaps a cup of tea. How well could my hospitality reflect the kingdom of God? Or is it just for family and friends? Lord Jesus, thank you for telling such powerful and memorable stories. Though it might take some time to get my head around them, they speak of such a different way of living that is both beautiful and challenging. I praise you for coming to earth to seek and save people like me, Help me to dwell not so much on who I was without you, but who I now am in you. So may I feast at your table each day. Amen.